for me, like, uh, and I'm sure you've heard me say it, but it's like intentional, like everything has to be intentional. Dissimilar materials don't belong touching, in my opinion. There needs to be an intentional separation between two different materials. And like, if you take that and like walk every one of your projects and think about every time two materials touch and think about how could I change that? How could I separate that? What's up, guys? Welcome to the Real Estate Addicts, episode <laughs> there you 74. Go. Is Bingo. it 74? 73. 73. Uh, Damn it. I try to remember. <laughs> with your hosts, uh, Mark, Dan, and Ray. Yeah. And we're here with Nick. Nick Schiffer. From NS Builders. From NS Builders. Good friend of the pod. Welcome yes. to the studio. Appreciate Second time me. on the pod. Yeah. Well, no, we were rare on. Class, no, right? we were on. We were on. During COVID. Pod. Oh, yeah. that's right. That's yeah. right. Returning the favor now. Right. Hmm. Well, we were talking communication earlier. I listened to a good podcast the other night. They were talking about the hot and cold empathy gap. And this like resonated with me. The notion is that like when you're hot, you're in this state that like when you cool down, you're like, what the fuck was going on? Why was I acting that way? This happens to me week in and week out. It's like, I'll freak about something and then I'll like settle down. I'm like, geez, uh, Steve, I'm sorry that I responded that way. I've learned that it's always good to draft an email that's emotional but never send it. Wait like a day. Well, if you, something's getting you fired up, how do you avoid it? You well, got a lot I of think people listening to, to you. To that point, if it's if you're responding to an emotional email, it's or if they're like if there's an attack where it's like, hey, I don't really agree with this, or why is the bill so like something like that, you immediately want to rectify it because you want you know you want to get paid or you want to like cool them off. But that has to wait, especially like that. That's you know everything like I. I have a rule for me. It's like every email gets responded within 24 hours. And, but something like that, you know, it will still be within 24 hours, but usually number one, it's at the end of the day. And I'm like, all right, I'm home. I'm not doing this right now. Cause number one, it's going to peel away from my family. And I don't want to be thinking about that. But the hot and cold thing, I grew up, like my dad was more of a yeller. I'm, I'm just not. And I've never seen it work for anyone. Not my dad, not ki- kids and guys that I worked with, like ever, like where they would blow up. I get upset, trust me, but I'm I'm immediately on the side of what did I do wrong to set you up for failure here? And it, in, in, and that's yeah. like, you know, the Jocko mentality of like, everything is my fault. I, I've really always taken a stand with that where it's like, no matter what it is, my guy could literally take my truck and crash it into a, a house. <laughs> And, and I'd be like, what did I do? Like, what, what did I do wow. wrong? Did I, tr-? like, I think at the core of it, it's like, well, I trusted that he could drive a truck, right? And it's like, that's insane. Like he should, he has a license. He, <laughs> he drives a truck every day. Like, but, but that was, that's just the way I'm going to look at it where it's like, there's no benefit of me getting mad at him. <laughs> it's like, even if the kid was wasted. It's there's like, just no shortage of situations in our business. Today I was fighting with, a, we found a, a leak, right? Mm. It's coming through the soffit on this overhang. And at first there's a sprinkler head right there. So I'm obviously like, okay, well, it's a sprinkler. So I call him. He's awesome. He sends two guys immediately. Mm. We sort of take a light out. We research it. It's not that, you know, we go down. I think it's the roof. It's not the roof. It's the sidewaller. It's not the sidewaller. Turns out it's the refrigerator leaking from the filter on the bottom of it. And it's over this overhang. Interesting. So you're, who, who'd you get mad at? At one point, uh, sort of got into it with my roofer for a minute and 
caught myself and said like, look, I'm not trying to get, I just need help. I'm not, yeah. I'm not mad. I just need help. I don't want to litigate this thing. But see, that's the thing. It's like you went, you, you went to a point where you got mad, but then realized you're getting mad because you need help. Yeah. Where it's like, if you can just immediately understand that I need help. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, that at least for me, like, I think I started, when you started talking, I was thinking about like, when have I ever like actually got into it with someone? And one of our projects, it was a takeover job. We absorbed all these subcontractors. We ended up firing all of them. <laughs> the last one that we had was an HVAC guy and he kept trying to pull a fast one. One of my guys sent me a picture and they were installing the kitchen range hood and they cut the damper inside because the duct took a hard turn. So it didn't open all the way. And he sent me a picture. He goes, hey, is this cool? I'm like, no, it's not cool. So I showed up, I'm like, and I'm not gonna use his name, but I, you know, we'll call him Matt. Matt, I'm like, you can't do, he goes, did your guy send you a picture? And he lost it. He's like, he's a fucking snake. I'm like, no, 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 I'm like, stop. I'm like, we just need, I, we need to do this the right way. And he was like, I'm calling OSHA on you. I have 13 pictures. You don't have guardrails here. You don't, I'm like, why, why are you so mad? He goes, cause this is bullshit. I'm like, I'm trying to work with you. What do you need? You need me to move the ductwork? You need me to move the framing? Like whatever you need, I'm supposed to be your asset. I'm supposed to be your help. Like I'm, I'm the general contractor, right? So if you can't do your job correctly, then that's up to me to make sure like I help you do it correctly. That's the only time I get frustrated is when they're, you know, they, they're attacking me when I'm trying to help, mm -hmm. but I'm still going to keep my cool. Like he literally left there. I'm calling OSHA. I'm calling OSHA. He ripped all his guys off site, told me I'm a, a you know, a fucking moron, blah, 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 all this stuff. I'm like, Matt, <laughs> I'm like, Matt, like, what's the deal? Like, I'm not, you know, I understand that you're frustrated. I'm not here. I'm not going to sit here and fight with you. I'm not trying to make you do anything out of the ordinary, even when it comes down to money, where it's like, oftentimes that's what the, the, the root of it is. It's like, I don't have the time to be here. I'm not charging enough money. It's like, then charge me more money. I feel that way often. Mm. And it's like, I get it. Like I tell the story all the time about my tile guy. Like when he started with me, it was He'd show up on the job site and he'd leave by lunch because he had to go finish another job to, to get paid. And I was like, what is it going to take me to have you on the job site all day? Because mm -hmm. the stuff that you, when you leave at noon, I show up or I was there or whatever it is, I'm always ripping stuff out. Well, and here's the real question. Do you want to even keep those people around? Because why wouldn't they be yes dedicated no. to your job? Yes and I no. can understand like they might need to run to an emergency. But if this is a daily recurrence, I mean, that's I, just a discussion. I do. I, I, I agree with that to an extent where I don't agree with it is that there's guys out there that don't realize their value and they have the talent. They just haven't been given the opportunity to get to that level where it's like, I see the talent in this guy, but he's just never been on a job where they said, slow down, take your time, charge me what it, what, what it should cost. And when he's done that, it's lights out. It's like he, he, he accomplishes what he wants. He hits the mark with us. I have him sitting there cutting miters on tile by hand. And it's like, he's being paid, you know, a premium to do it, but it's our job as the general contractor to make sure that we value that. And then of course, like, you know, that goes to the client or in your case, like into a, you know, a, a for sale, a, a development mm -hmm. where it's like, can I make this work? It's the same thing. It's not, it, right. either I'm the client or an investor yeah. or a bank or you guys, whatever it is. It's like, you need to make that that work. It's hard in this environment though, because I feel that- Which environment? The environment that we're currently in with every everyone's busy, everyone's mm -hmm. overextended, there's not enough labor. It's just, it's. I think everyone's running in 25 different directions. I and, agree with that. I think the problem is, is that we've been going a hundred miles an hour and we shouldn't have been. 
Like everyone, everyone's trying to maintain a hundred miles an hour or, or speed up to 120 when the speed limit should be 65. And it's like, we're not, you know, everything is faster, 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 faster. It's like, I get it. Like appliances suck to get right now, but Hey, I don't mind the fact that we're going to slow down and take a, take a little bit more time. The only reason that we're expensive is because we're slower. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, that's just the, the fact of the matter. I'm still paying the same amount of material cost. I'm not making, it's not like I'm making a huge, a, a huge difference in markup. Like we're all doing the same exact thing. We're still at the end of the day. It's like our markups the same. Our overhead is roughly the same. Yeah. Whatever we do video. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, oh, you spent all the money on video, <laughs> but it's like at the core of it, like we're doing the same thing. We, we pay the same amount of money. We're paying the same amount of money for labor plus or minus a few dollars for depending on the people, but it's the time that we're putting into the job. It's like, we're spending more time. And that's what, you know, I've spent the last eight years really showcasing is that we're going, we're going to spend the time. If it's not right, I'm going to rip it out. And that's time. Do you ever get pushback from your clients on that? Yes. I, I think there's a balancing act though, because like, so use floors, for example, I brought my floor guy back through today. Cause we had a couple boards that got, let's say gouged, not mm-hmm. scratched. And he's like, you got to keep the Ram board down. Why did you take up the floor protection? It's like, because we need to be done. Like there is a cost to doing that. And it's probably you replacing boards for a half a day. And I'm willing to take that because if you just let these things go to their ultimate, not like natural end, then the thing, a job will take as long as you let it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I do some, agree with that. I'll replace a cabinet door. It will get hit. I, I can't. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And again, to an extent where it's like, I think about commercial construction, like high rise construction. Mm -hmm. I spent four years in that where it was very much hurry up, get it done. We'll fix it later mentality, which is dangerous because you end up with a a less superior product. I think about a project we did in in the South end that a sprinkler let go. Yeah. Literally I'm telling, I'm I'm talking four hours before I was delivering it to the client. And I walked in the night before and I, put a little piece of tape on the ceiling and I asked the painter, I'm like, Hey, there's just a tiny little shadow line. Like no one ever sees it, but let's just hit that tomorrow. He did. He hit it and he took the heat gun and hit the sprinkler head and it, and it flooded. But the, where I'm going with this is that we, then we, like the client was upset, called me, you know, said, you know, was incredibly frustrated. Like I'm thankfully didn't get sued on it. You know, I flooded a very expensive place down below. They basically said, don't worry about it, which I was, (laughs) <laughs> like insane. And, but the, the client was so frustrated and they, and it, then it became like, we need to move in. We need to move in, get it done as fast as possible. And we did. And I, and I regret that where it's like, we were so pressured to only finish part of the floor. And I ended up with this hard finish line in the floor somewhere down the hall. And I'm like, I, I, I can't do this. And I called and I was like, I'm refinishing the floors all the way throughout. Like, I just can't. And they refused to let me. They're like, absolutely not. You're done. Get out of, get off the job site. But it's like, it so was, it's, it's not really worth asking. Were they happy when you were gone? Because I'm sure they were happy bef- like day you want before. You know the crazy thing is I sent them a survey to fill out to see how we did just to see. And they rated me terrible, but I wanted to know why. Like at the, like, not just like one through five, like how were we? But like one of those like really in depth, like what things did you find valuable? And they went through and like, we, we ended up getting like, I think a three out of five star, which actually is better than I thought. But still, it was like the, the things that they didn't like or didn't appreciate about us were everything that I thought that they did care. And everything that we scored really high on, I was like, all right, the, uh, that's not bad. Like, 
like five out of five on, you know, craftsmanship and, and things like that. But it was, um, I forget what it specifically was, but either way it was, the, the point is, is like that we were hurrying up and we were going to fix it later. And like, and when you do that, you end up with, you know, like replacing a few boards. Mm-hmm. I get that replacing the cabinet door. But then oftentimes when you're doing that, you end up with a product where it's like, now the floor has finish right. that isn't yeah. monolithic. Mm-hmm. Now that cabinet door has a slight different sheen mm-hmm. where it's like, we we do try to prevent that. We spend a lot of time and money in protecting things. I just, we have a project in the back bay. We had six layers of floor protection yep. down for the last 12 months and we just pulled it up. And it's like, we still have a little damage, but nothing that requires replacement. Hey, not to change gears too much here, but question I wrote down early. There you go. <laughs> Nick, if you were to do, uh, oh, I heard a different one. <laughs> What's the worst part of your job? In what sense? Like, we know that, uh, you know, you love the craftsmanship side and being a builder, but like you're a business owner and that means a lot of different things. What, Wearing a lot uh, of like different what, hats. Like, what don't I like about yeah. it? Yeah. Is it like the human resources component of it? Is it the bookkeeping? Is it the, maybe it's like, or maybe it's like, or maybe it's like of your whole day. Jobs? Yeah. Or maybe like of your yeah. whole day, like what's the part that you, I think, may I, at least. Yeah. I mean, I don't like the accounting side. Um, I like understanding money and I like, I like having someone in a CFO kind of position, which I have. Mm-hmm. And because I like to be able to, you know, sit down on a weekly basis and like, here's your cash flow. I appreciate that. I don't want to do that. Yep. I also don't want to project manage a job. I can do it, but it's not like, I'm not, I don't know if you guys, have you taken the disc survey? We just, yeah. we just, we just did. did. Okay. Yeah. So I took it for the first time and I realized I'm like, that makes complete sense. I'm like wildly high on influence. So it makes me an influencer, I suppose. <laughs> but wildly high on that, but from a clarity, super low. And that makes sense where it's like, I'm the guy that's going to come in. Like, how do we do this crazy detail? I'm going to run through it. I'm going to know exactly how to do it. I'm going to show you how to do it. It's going to look like a five out of 10. And then I'm going to leave and you get to de- take it from five to 10. Like, I'm just not the guy that's going to sit there and meticulously cut this thing by hand and sand it and make it perfect. I'm going to show you how to get there. When I realized that it's like, that's why, you know, that's why I don't want to be, and I don't want to create standard operating procedures in my business. Mm-hmm. I want them because mm-hmm. I want to be able to take my business and say, this is how you run it. Scale. Scale. But from like actually doing that, I, I don't like that. So it's easier for me to answer like what I do like more than what I don't. And what I do like is being the creative, being, you know, kind of boots on the ground, like walking through the job, seeing what's going on and, and influencing, you know, direction of how we're executing, how we're doing design, how we're building, whatever the case is. I actually really like sales. I like that initial process of like, you know, walking through a potential project or walking through a potential build and just kind of, I'm one of those guys, I walk around, close my eyes. I'm like, all right, this would be cool. This would be cool. And throw all this stuff out. And that's usually like the whole sales process where they like, Hey, we want to do a partial renovation. By the time I leave, it's like ripping the house down. (laughs) It's like, let's put a glass wall on the back of the house. Let's do it. Let's just, let's, let's go forward with it. But that's like, I enjoy that part. I also really enjoy the marketing side. I think marketing is really interesting, especially nowadays with like target marketing. It's important. Right. It is, but it's like from, you know, social media, like I get it. Like I've always been there. Like I'm still not leveraging it the way I could be, but there's definitely in the last, 24 months that I've shifted the way I've done things and I've watched it immediately reciprocate back what I wanted. Did you hire that brand manager? I saw you posting about that. I talked to a few people. It's a brand ambassador. No, maybe it was, maybe I did put manager. That's more for, um, 
the media side of what we're doing. I was just wondering if you need, if that was like an agent for you. And, uh, I, I mean, like, going. I don't want to, like, I don't think I need an agent. Yeah. I definitely could use a personal assistant Yeah, because I think that, you know, going back to the clarity thing, it's like, I write stuff down in my notebook, but it's just so the act of doing it. I never reference back to it. Mm. If I write it out by hand, it's like, I know it's there. And like, it, it makes me want to do it. I've created to-do lists and I've carried around for like six months and it just grow, grows and grows and grows. But having someone like a PA would allow me to literally just like spit stuff. And then I know I would be, that's what I don't like is that I don't feel as though I, I'm that efficient throughout my day. I don't get as much done because I'm bogged down by the business stuff. Isn't it amazing because right. your feet hit the ground in the morning and I always feel like, all right, this is going to be a great, day. I'm going to do so many things, going to be productive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then by six o'clock, I'm like, what the hell happened? Ray and I have that conversation. What did weekly. I even do? Yeah. I like sit down in front of my computer at three in the afternoon. I was like, what the fuck did I accomplish today? There's some like, days where I feel like I got everything done by 11. And then there's other days where I'm like, it's 11. Oh my God, I'm done. <laughs> it's, the day's going to be over and I've gotten nothing done. Yeah. We're in a weird spot too. Cause we're like, our business is about to make a huge shift. For me, you know, a lot of the projects that we have going on are, you know, on the smaller scale of what we're going to be doing in six months from now. So I'm, I'm forcefully pulling myself back and, and letting the quote unquote leash out a little bit to see how things perform without my daily check-in. Thankfully, I have a lot where it's like I can check in daily on daily logs with bill of trends, stuff like that. And you've also invested the, the human capital side of things. I mean, you've got strong people working for you, yeah. running the jobs. I mean, it seems like uh, you take a little shit for that uh, in the nicest way on the on your podcast. I do. Guys, but I, I appreciate it. I think, you know, those are assets. They are. I mean, you know, there's a few things to that. I, I had a conversation yesterday about this and that one of them, we've been through a lot of people. I've, you know, we've been up we're over 20, we're down to like 14, 15 right now. But in, you know, in this short span of a year, we probably hired and, and, and fired or lost probably close to 10 people. Yes, I, I have a great team with me and a lot of people that truly believe in what I'm doing. I think that if you asked me this 12 months ago, I was in a very different position where it's like, I had a lot of people on my team that I didn't, I knew didn't believe in what I was doing, or they thought that they did, but we weren't aligned. And I had, you know, this, I, I realized that I was sitting at my kitchen table and my wife's like, you're right. I'm like, no, I just realized that. And I had never said it out loud, but I'm literally stealing financially from my family to pay for guys that are working for the business, my business right now that aren't executing at the level that need to be. So I'm then ripping the work out, paying them again to do it again and not get, never recouping that money to the tune of we had, we were at $170,000 six months into the year of re of rip out work. Ugh. That's a ton. And we don't, we're not huge volume. So it's a lot. That was a lot. And my wife looked at me, she goes, yeah. Like, <laughs> are, you, are you just noticing that? I'm like, but I just never realized, like I never compared it to like, this is impacting my family. So I called the meeting and I sat in a room. I was like, listen, guys, this is the plan with the company. It's, it's always been evolving. I started as a carpentry company. We did remodels. That's never been my end goal. This is my end goal. This is what I want to build. This is how I'm going to do it. And this is my business. I'm the one that has all the risk. I'm the one that's leveraging every piece of my personal being, my financial being, everything 
So this is what we're doing. If you want to be part of that, let's do it. I want every one of you guys in the room right now, I want you to be part of it. If you don't, I respect that and I'm happy to help you out. Now, that's a really good point because, you know, essentially people will always say that owners are the ones that, because you own it and you're taking that risk, you're the one that you're going to go in and you're always going to have that highest level of of caring and sincerity. And I'm not saying that employees aren't. And this is but just not. totally a random thing in my head. Yeah, because they don't own it. And I, and I get it. Like, they're not taking on the risk. And so, you know, it's this whole compensation thing. Like, oh, am I compensated properly? I don't want to get into that part of it. The thought I always have that goes through my head is, is there anybody that you know that has tried saying, you know what, guys, here's our team. Here, we're all going to be owners of the company. I, I don't know if they call this like a, corp, like a co-op or a corp, yeah, a B Corp, yeah. something like that. Where, yeah. Employee stock ownership plan. Yeah. yeah. And so like, Sean. do those plans, do those types of arrangements work? Does it kind of make everybody care? Because no cha- no task as small as it may be is unimportant, but to no, an but employee, there, it, it sounds may like feel a nightmare to me. It's cool. there's, there's, there's positives and negatives to that. It's, you know, I think that even incentive-based work, it's like you, it's very difficult. Like you have to be very diligent with how you're measuring that like incentive. So hard. Right. And I it's mean, like, we used to talk yeah, about like who gets what percentage. Right. Or if whatever. you're the project manager who has to take on the worst project, it's underperforming and you get sent in. Right. And the thing only loses 20 grand when it should have lost 100. You did a great job. But, right. So it's, but it still lost money. Yeah, so but people are still pissed. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that, I think that, you know, it works if it's set up correctly. Sure. I, I've sure. certainly considered it. You know, we've considered profit sharing, you know, there's considerations of, you know, does everyone get profit sharing? Do some people get profit sharing? How is it determined? How is it split up? Where it's like, you know, right now the the position I'm in where it's like, I just want to pay my guys, you know, more than fair. I don't spend a lot of time like researching the market of like what someone should make, but I spend enough time to know that most of the people are making on the higher end, if not over what quote unquote is standard. Sure. And like, it's like, and then all the benefits, like all the, all the health, medical, all that stuff, 401k, like, you know, and I remember being on the phone with 401k. I'm like, what's typical? And she's like, oh, if you match 3%, I'm like, okay, what's nice. She's like, if you match an additional 2%, I'm like, do that. There you go. And it's like, you know, and just, cause I, I I'm trying to remove the issue of what you just said, compensation, yeah. where yeah. it's like, I don't get paid enough or, you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, it isn't my job to make sure someone makes enough money to support their life because I'm not just doing NS builders. Like I have like 7,000, seven other things going on. <laughs> 7,000 would be ridiculous. Seven other things going on where it's like, I'm getting income from that to help subsidize what I want in my life. I have no idea if these guys are, and it's like, and they have every opportunity to. I even think about the social media aspect of it where, you know, Ken's the only one taking advantage of the fact that here's my platform. Yeah. I'll put you on it, create a personal brand off it and leverage it and make money on it. Respect. I've seen, I've seen him doing that. I think that's cool. His the notebook that he came out with yeah. and all that stuff. Um, I like it. You know, what I like is if you go back to Z- uh, Zappos, the guy, Tony, who recently yeah. died, he used to offer his employees huge bonuses to yeah. quit. Yeah. Like just respect. just yeah. to see. It's a yeah. great book, Delivering Happiness. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a great um, book. Uh, so you earlier, well, a few minutes ago, you mentioned you sat everyone down. You said, this is the vision. This is the goal. So what, what, where, where are you headed? What is your goal? What are your goals? 
it, very architecturally distinct ground up construction. We'll do substantial renovation for sure. You know, the brownstone in, in the back bay. What I don't like about the brownstone is that when you walk by it, it looks like everything else. <laughs> I would rather someone, probably a billionaire, say, hey, I want to rip this thing down and mm. build a glass box. Mm. And it's going to take three years to even try to get an approval on it. But like, that's what I want to try to do. I'd rather do that. And I'd rather bang my head against the wall for meeting after meeting just to then it be this thing you walk by. Like what's that place in the South End? Luke Street, Lucas Street, the gray building. Which one's that? Um, they, they that spent, super modern one with like the, the cedar yeah, sort of they spent uh, like superstructure. Yeah, yeah, incredible. They spent like $350,000 yeah. in fines because they weren't allowed to do it, blah, blah, yeah. blah, the neighborhood. But they did it. It's and an now icon. it's not, you walk, like yeah. it's a, you, you, like I'll purposely walk down that street just to see it. Yeah. And that's what I want to do is I want to build that. And it's so, you know, getting into more architecturally distinct homes, you know, I think uh, health, wellness, like uh, net zero, passive home, like all of that is super important. Like code is only going to get closer and closer to that, you know, and, you know, I want to have a development arm of it. I've, I've talked to you about it. I wrote down that question. Yeah. It's like, I think. <laughs> I was going to ask it too. <laughs> the development side is really interesting to me. And, you know, I want to do it. I want to be really unorthodox with it. I want to, I want to basically prove that I can build a house at $700 a square foot and sell it and make it, make a profit where, you know, everyone in their right mind is telling me, no, don't do that. Or start with a colonial and do this. And I'm like, I don't, I have no interest in doing that. We're only on this planet for so long. Like, I'm not going to like pull myself back to try to get a, a, a walking start. I'd rather just run. Full, like, I'm already going in that direction. Let me let me continue. In Obviously, your certain target to, markets are going to support Of course. It, right? Like, listen, I get it. Like, I'm leaning towards a more affluent, yeah. you know, areas and, and, and clientele. I get that. But looking even further down the future, what I really find interesting, like Benson Wood has done with Unity Homes is that they take these projects, these affluent homes that they, you know, clients where they're super custom, they're spending enormous money and he takes what he learns from those and then figures out a way to sell them to the masses where it's yeah. like they take the, the little pieces and then able to, you know, hit a middle America type, you know, clientele. I feel like if my econ 101 teacher were listening to this podcast, he would just be like rolling over right now because what you said defies like basic economic tenets. Mm. You're just leaving money on the table if you are going and to And I'm not like, I, the development side yeah. of it, like I don't want to do that. Truthfully, I don't want to do that to be this huge profitable, profitable business. I want to do that so I can stamp like, this is our product, this is our product, this is our product. Right. And brand, then, brand. And yeah, so- So the delta between what you could build for and what you are building for is really marketing dollars. Right. So think of it in this way. It's like, if I can do that and I make like, obviously have to make money with doing it, right? Make money, but constantly put that product on the market. And I, I keep kicking around like this three to $5 million range home. If I can do that and then people start seeing it, they're going to be like, Hey, I love that. I want to build my own. And then it's an eight or $10 million project because it's, it's custom. They're looking at it as, you know, I love, I love what that is, but you know, I want it in a different area. I think the knock on that plan is that you're taking an inordinate amount of risk. Yeah. And that risk should be commensurate. Like you're, you're, you're not getting enough reward. 
I don't disagree with that. His yeah. reward is the long play. But I where, do it too, right? Yeah. Like I think you guys do in a sense. It's like people are like, why are you using that appliance line or building that nice of a kitchen in Dorchester? Totally. It's like because all my units sold pre-construction. Right. People know and come to expect a certain thing, and, and that's got value. And that's where you know, there's that's where I think that I'm going to leverage my ability with like marketing in social media is that I can basically develop the entire plan and plan to pre-sell the thing. So that takes the risk off the table. And that's where I think, that's what I think is super cool is that if you could just lock up the land Correct. and then find the buyer to take it from there, right. your risk is done. Of and, course. And, but, but that's not us. That's you're going from spec to it's like, it's, it's like semi Correct. Correct. What Nick but, is saying but, is he's going to start with spec and yeah. make it but vanilla pre- enough mm-hmm. so that you, you get your name. I mean, not vanilla. No, I would. I with would, your, with your no, specific features. My but, plan would be yeah. to pre-sell. Yes. Because all that, all I'm looking to do is to prove to the bank, the model works so I can get the money easier. Mm-hmm. Right now it's like, I'm, you know, I have like, I have the ability, I have potential land. I have potential investors. It's all like people that are willing to be a little bit more creative with their money but it's like, I still need to prove that the model works, but it's like, I'm also taking my business from doing primarily renovation to everything is new construction next year for us. And we have four all custom ground up. You know, one of them is, you know, actually I shouldn't say one of them. They're all in one way directly attributed back to what my core goal is with the business is either they're, you know, extremely architecturally, you know, detailed. Two of them are going to be passive certified. One of them is with an architect outside of the state, which is, you know, we're aiming to be the nicest house in that area with, you know, insane, like true New England detail. And it's like, and then another one with a really prominent architect that I spent 18 months trying to work with. And like that will have this traditional New England facade and you walk into it and you flip and you feel like you're on the hillside of LA. It's cool. Nice. I think you should take that model though and spin it and just say like, I want to deliver the $700 or $800 square foot look of a product, but I'm going to figure out a way to do it for a million for for 450 or 500 a foot. Yeah. And that's, that takes skill. Yeah. I, and I'm probably a little vain here, but it's like whatever conceded, but it's like, I think I have the ability to do that. You know, I I feel confident in that because a lot of what, you know, a lot of the detailing that we do that we showcase all the time, it's just spending more time thinking about it. That's all it is. It's not spending more money on material or subcontractors. It's just being more considerate and thinking through all the way to the end result of, all right, what I'm doing right now, what is that going to look like when it's done? I totally, I mean, above my, I do this a lot in kitchens where we'll sort of frame out the kitchen in an open concept space by dropping the ceiling over and doing this sort of wing with an led lighting in it. And I always get a ton of compliments on that detail. It doesn't cost anything except some planning with my framer, my drywaller, a couple extra two by fours, right? really at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's, it's a switched outlet. Right. And you just, you spent an hour thinking about it yeah, and walking through it. And that's where I, going back to the speed thing, it's like everyone's trying to move so quickly, getting, get these projects done so quickly. You don't have the opportunity where it's like, we're doing a, a kitchen project right now. And it's like, I hopped on site in my plaster and chat with my plaster. And he's like, the hood's going to be all polished plaster. And I'm like, all right, well, that's different than the painted plaster on the wall. I don't want them touching. We can do an inside corner trial. I'm like, no, like that's not, it's not my detail for me. I'm sure you've heard me say it, but it's like intentional. Like everything has to be intentional. Dissimilar materials don't belong touching, in my opinion. 
there needs to be an intentional separation between two different materials. And like, if you take that and like walk every one of your projects and think about every time two materials touch and think about how could I change that? How could I separate that? How could I take this 72 inch vanity that's slammed up against the switched wall? What if I moved it off the wall four inches? That would it look custom or does it look like, does it now it's not, it's slammed up against the wall because it's too big for the space and I need 18 inches away from the toilet. It's, oh, they thought about this and the vanity's off the wall a little bit and that four inch space. Okay, well, how do you clean it? It's like, then move it six inches. My how, big's a, how big's a Swiffer? Four and a half inches, make it five inches. There's gonna be those, or, or, or change it and keep it a half inch off and then create a fake, you know, reveal, uh, a fake filler underneath it that you don't see. But it's like, there's always opportunity to, to be more intentional with those, those points that make huge, I, I'm going to, is it the, next week we're doing a site visit and I walk one of our projects and I talk about this fireplace that we just did in the back bay. And that's all I talk about. And when you, when I walk through the detail, it looks cool. It's like, it, it's super cool looking. But when I walk through the, why we did it, you're gonna be like, that makes the job easier. It takes more time up the, up front. And of course you got to spend a little bit more time with the finished carpenter set and that stuff. But at the end of the, the end of the job, it actually accomplishes something in a better way. I like it. I like I, it. Intentional design is important. Yeah. I mean, I always try to say like when we're developing stuff, think about it as though you're going to live in that space. Mm -hmm. It doesn't cost you anything to make sure that you put a clock outlet or a recessed outlet where you think a TV is going to go and make sure there's cable running to there. Nothing pisses me off more than seeing someone like put shoe molding around to get the Comcast cable from one side of the living room to the other. You know what because, pisses me off? Yeah. Is when you, I, I almost said you guys have yeah. no idea if you've ever done this. We um, probably have. Yeah. But it's like when they, when they run the baseboard up to catch the plumbing for the toilet. Yeah. Oh. Bring the plumber back and move it <laughs> or tell them ahead of time. You guys are smiling. I've done it. Oh, it's happened. Yeah. It's like, I've done it. And it's like this kid who, you know, he prides himself on being a great finished carpenter, which he is. Mm -hmm. He posted the other day and he was, he was like, no one does this better. And he posted, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, what you, the water line was in the wrong spot. I'm like, move it. <laughs> I'm like, I, he's like, well, the plumber's gone. I'm like, tell him to come back. Like, I don't like, number one, he should have known what the baseboard was before he roughed. If he didn't, then tell him to tell him to leave it loose or come back to it when he does the finish and then prep for it and stick out. Like, it's just, again, thinking ahead, same thing with ca door casing. Mm -hmm. It's like, we, we often, my house that we just sold our house. It's like, I look at it everywhere. The casings butt up against the inside corner. Some of the casings ripped because it didn't fit. Cause I put the door too close. I'll never do that again, ever. And it's like, it needs to be, if the, if your baseboard is an inch thick, then I want that casing at least, at least an inch and an eighth off of the corner. That way the baseboard can go, go be tucked behind that casing and have a small return because otherwise it just looks like, Oh, this was an afterthought or like they decided on the casing after like later, which happens. I get it. But it's like, those are the things that, you know, when, when they're thought through, they just look better. It is tough in urban environments. Right? Totally. Because sometimes that four inches extra in the hallway takes from a bedroom that was only 10 feet to begin with. I get it. But yeah. so, so you can't, so think, yeah. think it through and figure sure. out how do you make that look like it was supposed to be slammed in the corner. I agree. Yeah. Does it infuriate you if you see developers or, or spec builders that just 
or just slapping together one product after another. I'm, I'm sure it's a rhetorical question, but no, it, it the reason for it is that's the only way their business model works, yeah, essentially. I, it, no, that doesn't frustrate me. That's okay. not, it, it's not, it's just not my business model. I respect Toll Brothers. You can argue that <laughs> yeah. they have a, a shit product, but they're not builders. They're, they're managers. Like they have figured out how to like rinse and repeat a product and make a, a bunch of money doing it. And it's like, yes, do I think it's bad for the industry in some ways? Yeah. But they're also, you know, at the same time, they're also leading the charge on a lot of what we're doing in the industry where it's like mm-hmm. arrow barrier, for example, yeah. mm-hmm. they're going to start using arrow barrier because they can achieve what is required by code. And they're going to be using it at the masses, which allows arrow barrier to be more, you know, obtainable for us. Mm. Yep. I like arrow barrier and I like products like that because they make uh, construction idiot proof. Did right? you like, use that I on your project? In, did I? No, oh, you, you. I know you've used hey, them. No, there. I didn't. Did it's you, still too expensive it's, for a developer. Okay. It doesn't make it idiot proof. And that's where like a lot of people, like, I think there's a misconception where it's like, oh, I don't have to worry about the air tightness as I'm framing. I feel like my blower door test, no matter what I did, would be amazing <laughs> if I did aero barrier. It improves it for sure. Yeah. But it's not like, it's not going to get to the, the level that, damn, I just went from like seven mm-hmm. down to one. It can happen for sure, mm-hmm. but it's really like you still need to be a, a conscious builder. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like. I mean, so let's fill, it let's fills up go. to a half inch. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just explain what aero aero barrier is for our listeners. Well, it's so it's essentially atom. It's like atomized caulking. So they spray it through these tubes. They basically pressurize the house and they run it. And essentially, what that does is it atomizes it in, in the air. And it's going to find the leak, the leaking point. So it's going to rush to any hole that's in the house. Mm-hmm. And it's going to basically, if you can picture like these little tiny pieces of caulking, like hitting the edge and then slowly filling that gap. Cool. But again, it's not going to fill massive holes. So you still need to you know address that before you go into it, which typically they would do. They'll help you through that. But it's really about getting like, I'm going to do my best, but I still didn't hit like you know, where I want to be one ACH or less than, Mm. that's where it really shines. That to me is also part of being a really good builder or developer is the details. One of the first things that I'm going to look at is like, what is the, how prone to error is this installation? Mm -hmm. I've done roof decks where I'm looking at, I'm like, oh my God, these guys, if they screw up any one of these seven steps, I'm going to have water coming through the living room ceiling. That's not good. You know, shower installations are like that to me. I'm looking at... And that's like, that's enormously important, especially from a developer standpoint, in my opinion, where it's like, that's where we cut costs. That's where you can cut costs, where it's like, if you simplify the process, where it's like, if you're making a process really complicated, not only are you adding costs because it takes longer and it takes more product, blah, 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 but you're also running, you're adding costs because it's like, you have to make sure you're you're carrying the warranty. Well, especially if you have to do that times like, 10 or right. times 30. Right. You know, I, like I did the Curdy shower system on this last development project. Material was more, labor was a little less. I still paid a premium for it, but rip out one shower after a development project and let me know what the, how much money you saved. Oh, we're dealing with it right rubber, now. By using a rubber mat. And like the Schluter, I think like we use it constantly, mm-hmm. but there's still a failure rate there yeah. because a lot of guys don't know how to install it properly. And like the lapping in the corners, everyone complains mm-hmm. about it. It's like, that's a fair, that's a fair complaint. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the way to combat that is like, you start with a good frame and mm-hmm. like your inside yeah. corners are square where it's like, if you have a pre-made corner and you're trying to put it into an unsquare corner, then the thing's lapping up and you got this little bubble mm-hmm. that you think might be waterproof, but then water gets in. It's, it's still like, it, it's still a process where it's like, yeah, we pay more money for install on Schluter 
because it's more labor intensive. Right. Where it's like we could go in and do go board. And do you guys have any sponsors? Because I'm throwing out oh, names left no. and right here. We do. We I was do have bring a it up earlier. Actually, we, yeah. When Speaking you were talking sponsors, about when you were talking about <laughs> having trouble financing, financing yeah. yeah. Uh, we have First Boston Capital Partners, which is uh, an affiliate of the Grossman Companies. We had him on a few episodes ago, and he could be a great partner for you. It lends here and around Boston, land rehabs, new development. They yeah. do it all. So. We can certainly hook you up with an introduction to. I just need the creative guy. That's yeah. all I need. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> or if anyone else out there needs is looking money for money, no, no, for real, reach no. out. Yep, let quick. us know. Yeah, it's very nimble. But, that, but going back, it's like there, there's easier ways to accomplish the same thing. And that's where it's like you, you can weigh those out. And you, but just because it's easier and it's less expensive doesn't mean it's, you know, going to save you money in the long term because because of the inherent risk of what could happen. Yeah. And, and therein lies the art. Yeah. But I mean, uh, even our, my tile guy is now telling me, he's like, I will only use Schluter going forward in any of your it's projects. Too because easy to have a nail through a rubber liner. So easy. And we're dealing with it right now. We're having issues. It, well, with it's not even issues. in the shower. It's outside the shower. Well, it's, it's a just, weird thing. I think it's just it's the overall area. installation is yeah. just, it's. I mean, like your, the, your, your showers that have no drains or the trench drain or the, that, that scares me some. It scares the hell out of me. Yeah. There's not a lot of margin. Yeah. I mean, but, we, um, we did one where, I mean, I'm talking eight month project where we were doing this, this suite renovation and curbless it was curbless mm -hmm. it was a steam shower it was <laughs> oh boy it was, it was, i'm sorry curbless steam shower no no track for the glass so the glass had to go in during frame stage four windows and a tub in all in this one room a lot of so everything points. could go wrong like windows you can't put them in a steam shower well we did we looted right to the glazing and, and glazed it in all the tile which i loved because everyone's like yeah what happens if the glass breaks i'm like then you're breaking the tile out and you're replacing the glass and retiling it. Like it wasn't meant to be right. easily glass replaceable. That's the whole point of a <laughs> custom feature yeah. because this was a custom request. Right. But it's like the, what I was getting at is like these curbless showers are great and I'll, and I don't think I'll ever do a curb shower again, but you know, people have to realize that water is going to get out of them. Yep. You basically have to waterproof the entire floor. So we do, we, we waterproof, we basically create the whole bathroom as a bathtub and that's one area that I typically will recommend like, hey, let's do a small threshold just in case water did get out. Because you'd have to have a lot of water. to A get threshold at the door. At the door. Yeah. At the, at the door from the, like, the hallway to the bathroom where it's like having a half inch of water in the entire bathroom floor is a lot. So if you have a small ramp like marble threshold, makes sense. Most of the time. Wow. Turn that off. <laughs> I dismissed it. He was so he was so fast. Right? <laughs> I was waiting for one to go off. Um, my, I think okay. mine's run, run <clears throat> twice. Yeah, definitely. I just left mine in the office. Um, but I got seven missed calls. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you, you know, <clears throat> most of the time they they said no, we don't want we don't want it. And I'm like, that's fine. We're still going to waterproof the whole bathroom because like if water makes its way out, like it's going to find something and then get down mm -hmm. and into something. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if it makes it out of the bathroom, then it goes into a hallway. Right. And then it just keeps going. Oh, and that, in that particular project. So we had this, we were there doing uh warranty and my PM was like, man, like when you walk out of the shower, it goes from tile to wood really quick. So it's like water makes its way out of that shower pretty quickly because of the way mm -hmm. the architect designed the floor. It was flat where the tub area was and then and pitched. And he's like, I just feel like that wood's going to see moisture issues. And I'm like, that's a fair concern. But like, those are the things that, you know, we're, we'll take that and learn from it where it's like installing it 
that was never a thought. Like the architect drew this, like everything makes sense. We have a really good aggressive pitch in the shower. It's like, oh no, when two people are in that shower and that the, sh- the yeah. you have a shower head yeah. on top of you, stuff splashing behind you, getting on the tub, rolling down, sitting on the flat mm-hmm. floor. Maybe it's at 16th out of level and it starts rolling out the, the shower mm-hmm. door. Going back, your client said that they didn't want the threshold. Do you say, do you obviously, do you warn them? And then do you kind yeah. of put that into the contract? Be like, hey, we told you. So if there is some issues, like how do you kind of- No, it's not usually a contract thing because it's like, if they called me and said, hey, sh- water's making its way all the way out of the bathroom. I'm like, okay, are you, you trenching the door? Yeah, there's a bigger the problem, like, I guess. Yeah, yeah it's, you Maybe know- Filters clogged or something. I'm, you know, I am very opinionated from design, like when I work with architects, the first thing I say is like, listen, you can tell me anytime to shut up, but I am going to bring all of my opinions to the table. <laughs> and most of the time it goes really well where it's like, and I, I, cause I genuinely feel a lot of architects design within what they think a builder can build where it's like, I'd rather you tell me what you want to build. And then we figure out how to get there. Aside from your material yeah, transition. Let's go, to, let's go we get, coming up on time. I know. Let's go to, let's okay. go to overrated, oh. underrated or appropriately rated. We're doing this Gary V thing? Yeah. All right. Did Gary V start this? I don't know. I have no yeah. idea. I, this is a real estate addict's original. Okay. <laughs> I'll let Gary know. All right. My first one for you, Nick, is uh, Home Depot. Overrated, underrated, appropriately rated. I think appropriately rated. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's, you know, they're, they've always, yeah, I think it's appropriately rated right. because I think that, you know, they offer what we need. I can understand how the, the argument usually comes up for this because it's like, well, you're not supporting your local supplier. It's like, Listen, I'm all for supporting the local guy. If he's got it, I'm going there. But it's like, there's, you know, just, there's a business behind Home Depot and that's why they exist. And they're typically in the right location and have, you know, a bigger selection. Good answer. Dan? I was going to say Kerbalus, but you said you would never, you would only do (laughs) Kerbalus. So I will do bidets. Oh, you're at, I thought you were, I thought you were asking him if he thought Home Depot. Oh, no, no, I'm going to ask you. Bidets. Bidets, yeah. Can I lump that with washlets? Sure. I think they're underrated. Really? Yes. Why? I just think it's, I, 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 would you put one in your own home? Yes. Okay. To, to, to elaborate on that. Yes. I ordered one for my home and then I sold my home and then I canceled the order. (laughs) Uh, so my next home absolutely will have it. I just think that they're, you know, I I think that the U S is just behind in technology and cleanliness and hygiene and all of that. So if a bird shot on your arm, wouldn't you put water on it and then wash it with it? Like, right. Would you, or would you scrub it with a paper towel until it gave you a rash? Yeah. (laughs) Right. So making your own cabinets versus buying stockers, custom, semi-custom for me. I, I mean, that's, that's tough. I think in some sense, I think it's overrated. But for us, the reason I think it's overrated is because I think too many people try to do it with the wrong intention. People try to do it because they want to make more money at the cabinetry. They don't want to pay the 400% markup on these German, the, the stuff coming in containers from Germany. When the reality is it takes an enormous amount of overhead, takes an enormous amount of you know, talent and effort in, in just getting this stuff, you know, kind of going for us, I think it's appropriately rated because we are, we're building a brand behind a very detailed architecturally driven project that takes the, you know, the efforts of really good millwork, which yes, we could totally sub out. There's plenty of great millwork guys out there, 
but it's like, that's part, that's just the passion side of it. But you can also have your own custom sizes. You can, you can make anything basically. Well, right. you, I see that as the advantage. Will you only do projects that they use your cabinets on or will you use other people's cabinets in pro- projects for your clients? Uh, no, we'll, we'll, we'll turn down a project if we're not building the work. Okay. We have one project that we're finishing that we took on prior to starting the shop. But other than that, every job, if, you know, we just looked at a job on Marlboro Street, great job, like would love to do it. And it's like, we're thinking about buying the cabinets. I'm like, then we're out just to be clear. Like we're not, we wouldn't be interested in doing the job for the, the big pieces. Like if they said, well, the kid's bathroom, like, can we buy that? Absolutely. Like, I'm not going to force you to have us hand build a vanity that you can probably buy on Wafer for $1,100. It's like, if you send me the one from Wafer, I'll look at it and tell you how much it would cost. And if you need to modify it, hundred percent. Running a marathon. Oh, sorry. Another missed call. Just, Why don't you just put it on silent? Because I want to feel really yeah. important when my phone rings. <laughs> Do I think it's underrated, overrated? Running a marathon. How many have you run? None. Oh, you're training. You're doing training. Are you working yeah. on Yeah, it was good. I'm, so I have to answer the question before I explain, right? I was giving you a lob to uh, promote your, your charity. and uh, I, yeah, So I am running the Boston Marathon for a Collins Joy Project. It's actually a local charity here. It's, you know, Unfortunately, a very sad story. A young two-year-old boy lost his life uh, in town here. But my wife ran the Boston Marathon in 2019, met that family. Uh, she was running for another charity at the time, became really good friends. We've, be, we've, we've become really close. I've always just wanted to do the marathon for the fact, like just the sake of doing it. So I think that running a marathon, I'm just going to say appropriately rated because I think most people run them for the right reason. And for me, beyond the charity, which is, you know, pr- my primary reason for running it, right behind that is the mental aspect. Mm-hmm. So for me, I really, I like pushing myself on a mental level. And I'm going to say, it, I'll say it on the podcast, when I finish the marathon, my goal is to run 100 miles. Well, which, now you have to do it. Not, I know. Like, great I know. commitment like, device. I, not I, in one day, stump. right? No. So <laughs> Nick, we have like 2,000 listeners. So, you know, <laughs> but I keep yeah, say, I keep it. telling everyone, like I was at the New Balance store and I was getting shoes and he's like, you train for, I'm like, he's like, how many have you done? I'm like, just one. And he goes, is this it? I'm like, well, I, I, I want to run a hundred mile after. He's like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, to be clear, I don't like running and I, and I pro- like, I'll probably get hurt, but it's just like, I know I read the uh, David Goggins book, Can't Hurt Me. And I think if you haven't read it, it's, oh, it's worth reading. He had such a fucked up childhood, but it was all about mental toughness. And this dude, I mean, like insane stuff. And he's run like m- multiple ultras. And I have no desire to run multiple of these. I just want to do it and say, yes, I, my mind was capable of achieving that. Nice. And that, you know, so. Ray, close us out. Oh, geez. No pressure. Ah, oh, Pass. I'll do it. In my head. I'll I do it. Forgot. Vertical cedar siding. Uh, appropriately rated. Right, I well, think, you know, it depends on architectural design. Mm-hmm. I think that material selection in general, I'm going to go underrated because I think that the, the faux materials are taking too much precedence for the wrong reasons, which I understand the cost. And I understand like I'm looking at probably Hardy over there and it's probably mandated by Boston because that's what they love. But it's like, I think that the use of natural materials, like sustainably sourced materials is underrated. I'll give you one more from left field. Uh, hustle culture. You brought up Gary Vee earlier. Yep. So culture. five years ago, I would have said underrated. Now with three kids, I say overrated. Hmm. And I think that, you know, there is absolutely a time and place where you have to 
work really hard and put it, put in the hours. But I think that too many people are making it a priority to appear like they're working really hard where it's like, I would rather be again, going back to being more efficient with my time. I'd rather be more efficient with my time and then be able to dedicate more of my time to my family, to things that I don't get to do, like, you know, yeah. ho- hobbies and things. Work-life like that. balance is important. Yeah. yeah no, no, similar to that ever, whole running at hundred percent thing, you know, it doesn't make sense to do that forever. You can't sustain it. Yeah. Well, the other part but, of hustle culture is like the notion that anyone can do anything. You're just not working hard enough. And I think that that's a very overrated kind of yes. narrative. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, you know, listen, like everything takes hard work, but at the, like, you, but you still like for me after I, I think it was after I had, it was after I had my first daughter, I realized that like my health was suffering because I was working insane hours. Whereas like, why I'm not even, I don't have the time to go to the gym. I'm not eating healthy. So that, especially, you know, once we, once we had our third, I was like, no, I'm getting up. Like, I don't, I used to be up at five o'clock and I was out of the house before five 30. Yeah. And even coffee, food, like no days off. I'm mm. not impressed. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I don't, there's I, a time for it. Trust me. And like, if you, if you want to grow, like if you're scaling, like I get it, there's going to be times where you have to do that, but that's not like it, it shouldn't be this. It shouldn't be like, I'm better like, than yeah. you. Like, I, oh, I only sleep four hours a night. It's like, oh yeah. Okay. But like, also, sleep's actually really good for you. And you're probably not performing at hundred percent because you, you're, you're not rested enough. But I, sure. but I also think that if you prioritize and an efficiently run your day in a way that you are much more productive. You can work a lot. I feel that you could work a lot less yes. yeah. and still do just as much. Yeah. So for like, me, it's a batching. If so, I do things in batches, <clears throat> once I start multitasking and have 18 things open at once, right. I'm mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. To, to, to wrap this up, going back to like the, the goal with the company that kind of ties in where it's like, I want to be able to systemize and hire the right people so I can focus on what I'm good at. So then I can travel with my family. And I, ideally I grow this company into a nationwide where it's like, I'm building for the best architects in the country, all in like, you know, maybe one house in Colorado and like it just anywhere, but it, it's architecturally. And you know that while you're away, things are still moving forward. And I'm not even are away done. because this is like, I'm now putting roots here. Yeah. And then, you know, cause I think that and maybe we have another episode in the future, but it's like, I think that the whole like subcontractor group, I think that oftentimes like, you know, we need to challenge ourselves with like putting ourselves in a new area. Like we just put ourselves down in Rhode Island to see like, all right, what's it going to take to put together a pool of contractors to build this? Can we successfully do it here? Cause then, then if we can do it here, then we can try to do it somewhere else. We have the opportunity to build down in Connecticut. It's like, Let's see how we can do this. Nice. All right. My last one, I'm going to sneak in uh, TikTok for your marketing advertising brand awareness over under appropriate underrated. Beautiful. You have you, have you, are you on TikTok? I am. You don't see my dances. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Where's my phone? <laughs> I think it's underrated because it's, it, you know, there's, there's an, an enormous amount of tension there and I'm, we are not, we're not even utilizing it. Like we're repurposing content right now because we just haven't had the opportunity to cre- recreate the strategy because we're working on a bigger project for like YouTube. Awesome. So, nice. Well, we'll have to have you back. Your office is just down the street. Mm. This has been fun. Thanks Thank for you joining so us. And yeah, of course. people want to follow you. At NS Builders on any of the social platforms, nsbuilders.com, nickshiffer.com. Sweet. Good luck with the marathon. Thanks, dude. Yeah. Do people want to donate to the cause? Yeah, there's a, I will put it on my, at Nick Schiffer Instagram. Perfect. My personal. Thanks everyone for listening, rating, reviewing, and for sharing with a friend. And we'll catch you on the next one. Cheers.